Thank you, Encounter Band. Welcome to Westminster. We are in a new sermon series this morning. We finished the book of Acts uh, kind of last week. I I literally covered 15 chapters in one sermon, so if you call that finishing. Uh, We finished the book of Acts last week with a promise of a a new sermon series at some point in the future that would go into those missionary journeys a little bit more in detail. And this morning, uh, with this fresh breeze of new cool weather that we're getting, we're starting off our our October um, sermon series. And I'm super excited about this one. So October, we usually do something about stewardship and the spiritual discipline of giving, and we are going to do that, but I'm going to do it through the lens of talking about um, important images of trees in the Bible. Uh, so I, I love this because I love trees. I'm, I'm a nerd who listens to books on trees as a way of like calming down from my day. It's very relaxing after kids have been screaming to listen to a book about the life cycle of trees for some reason. Um, but the other reason we're doing this is that this is the 70th anniversary of the church. So this is the 70th kind of birthday of the church. This whole um, stewardship is going to culminate with a birthday party at the end of October on our front lawn. And as we're looking around at kind of symbols of our church, we, uh, we looked at the oaks and we're like, what better symbol? 70 years ago, this was farmland. When they purchased this property, it was farmland. There was nothing here. And so the first people that met at this empty corner, in fact, yesterday we did um, the service for Frances Thoreau, 103 years old, one of the first members of the church, and she told a story that she and her husband owned two and a half acres near here because this was farmland, and bearing um, actually ended pretty like right after um, the this intersection here, just uh, oh, you drove off into farmland over there. Oh, have times have changed. And when they met here, this little group of people meeting, they planted trees and they were tiny little oaks. And 70 years later, you can just walk around our campus and you can see the, the majestic, beautiful oaks that we have now. And so what, what this series is called is Reaching Deeper Oh, I don't think that's right. I think it's growing deeper, reaching further. So whichever. So we got like the roots image and the branches image, talking about getting deeper into like who we are and our roots and then going out, reaching further and doing more. It's a beautiful image, but that as we're talking about it, I was like, I was, what was coming in my head with all, was all these tree images from the Bible. And I was like, I've never done a sermon series putting all those tree images together. Wouldn't that be fun? And because I get the microphone, (laughs) I get to do series on things that I think are fun. So uh, we get to find out if you guys think this is fun too. So we're going to start with Psalm 1, which is one of my favorite psalms. It's also one of the most important psalms. Um, People, so the biblical writers put very, very important things at the beginnings of books. Psalms was one of those books. It was the hymnal of the um, ancient Jewish people and actually even of the early Christians. And many, many generations would have the entire Psalter, the entire book of Psalms memorized. In fact, ours is one of the first generations that doesn't have it memorized just as force of habit. Because we live in a digital age, and because of that, we don't have to use our memories as much. And so it's not as usual for us to have things committed to memory. Almost every previous generation, going back all the way to when these were written, it would have been normal because there would not have been an easy way to store these things to have the entire Psalter or a good portion of it committed to memory. And because the biblical writers put important things at the beginnings of and ends of books, Psalm 1 and Psalm 150, the beginning and the end, are the first two that you would have memorized. 
And then, of course, there are important psalms in there, like Psalm 23. There are other, other big ones that people would memorize. But the first one and the last one are where you start. And so we're going to start this morning with Psalm 1. And if you have, like, if, you, if you've not delved into Scripture memory before, this is a great one to start with. Because this is one where the more you say it to yourself, the more it just kind of unpacks and the more you learn that is in there. So let's, let's read this together. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is the law of the Lord. Okay, I'm going to pause there because that tells us what this psalm is about. Blessed is the one. This psalm fundamentally talks about two different kinds of life paths. We have the blessed and we have the wicked. (laughs) There is no gray area in this psalm, and we can talk later about why that is, but there's no gray area in the psalm. There's a path that leads to life. There's a path that leads to death. And if you want to be the path that leads to life, the blessed, the righteous, It starts with three things not to do. And so this is the way that, um, this is the way that amplifies the, the, the lifestyle of the wicked. And we have three things. One, does not walk in step with the wicked. Now you notice that phrase, walk in step with. It's active. It's doing something. And so walking in step with is working along with, doing the same thing as. So this is the image of doing something actively that is wrong. So walking in step with wicked means doing actively all the things that are wicked, which is a pretty obvious place to start, but this is where someone starts. So don't be the person who does bad things, right? (laughs) Don't be the person who steals, who cheats, who lies, who does things that are opposed to the law of God. Don't be the person who actively walks in step with the wicked. The second thing that stands in the way that sinners take. So you notice the motion is slowing down. So walk in the way of the wicked is doing something, standing... We're in the path that sinners take is someone who is not actively doing the wrong thing, but is just kind of hanging out and letting it happen and not doing anything good to stop it. Which, as we have all discovered throughout history and in our lives, is also a bad thing. So what what it reminds me... Um, this particular verse, don't stand in the way that sinners take, like we're slowing down from walking to standing, means slowing down from doing it yourself to just being around the other people while they're doing it. This reminds me of every lecture that junior high parents give their kids about who to hang out with. Don't hang out with the bad kids because it's going, it's going to affect your behavior. And what's fascinating is when we get into the New Testament, we have this whole, go hang out with the bad kids, right? Because you're going to be the light in the darkness. You're going to be the one who's transforming them. And, and so we have to remember that and balance with the New Testament, that there is that kind of missional imperative. But the Old Testament is still in junior high. <laughs> and the Old Testament reminds us that in most cases, unless you are firmly grounded otherwise, in most cases, you will begin to act like the people you spend time with. You will begin to behave like the people you spend time with. And in many cases, 
Rather, you being a missionary to them, they end up being a missionary to you, especially if you are there, not for missional purposes, just to hang out. So don't keep company. Don't keep company with people whose character you do not want to emulate. Don't keep company with people whose character you do not want to emulate. So that is don't walk, don't stand. You know what's coming next? Don't sit. Well, what can I do right? I can't walk, I can't stand, I can't sit. So this is my favorite movement because it takes it all the way back to the people who are like, I'm not bad because I'm not Hitler. I didn't do the bad thing. And so the psalmist is saying, so don't do the bad thing. Don't walk in the way of sinners. Don't hang out with the sinners. Don't stand in the path that sinners take. Do not sit in the seat of mockers. You know what this image is? This is the people who do nothing but sit back and judge and criticize, who have no positive contribution to make, but who sit and judge and mock and criticize, and you thought that was a 21st century invention, but humans have been doing it forever because it is so much easier to tear down and to mock and to point and to say, oh, what you guys are doing, here's everything wrong with it. It is so much easier, but you notice that what they're doing here is sitting, which means they are doing nothing. The walkers were at least accomplishing something, even if it was bad. The sitters are doing nothing. And all of this is grouped in Psalm 1 in the same category, which is not righteous, right? So blessed is the man, or holy is the man, righteous is the man who does not do any of these things, does not do the bad things, does not hang out with the bad people, does not sit around and tear down and mock everyone else, but instead does it now. So here's where the turn comes. But I want us to understand everything that he says at the beginning so we understand how many... um, He doesn't give us an out because what the psalmist has done there is covered everything that we usually give ourselves an out for. I'm not that bad because I don't do X, Y, Z. And everything he has covered there covers most of us at some point in our life. So happy is the man who does not do that. But now here's the turn. So what does he do? What does a righteous man look like? But whose delight is the law of the Lord. Now, this is interesting. We've been talking about active sinning. We've been talking about wickedness. We've been talking about mocking. And so turning around, you would think that the action is going to be the opposite of that. So blessed is the one who does good things. Blessed is the one who goes out there and saves the world. Blessed is the one who fights against evil. But that's not what he says. Not blessed is the one who does good things. Blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord. The opposite of wickedness is not doing good things. The opposite of wickedness is being a person who studies, absorbs, delights in studying the word of God. So the law of the Lord, as it's used here, would have been for them the Torah, the teaching of God, the first five books. We would say the whole of scripture everything that God has given us to teach um, us about himself, whose delight is the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. 
So the, so the psalmist says, you want to know how to be the opposite of wicked? <laughs> Meditate on the law day and night. I want you to think about that. Because when we think about how to, what it means to be good and what it means to be righteous, you and I tend to think about turning around and going and doing a bunch of really good things for the, for the Lord, for the world. We want to found an orphanage. We want to save the world. We want to go do all of these things. But the psalmist says, if you want to start in the right place, you start with a heart that is focused on the word of God. Because, because that is going to make you into a different kind of person. And here is where we get into the most famous image of Psalm 1. That person the one who meditates. And actually that word meditates is um, uh, literally murmurs, murmurs the word of God. Um, in, in ancient days when you read, you would have read it out loud to yourself so that you could have heard it as you were reading it. And as you were reading it and, and memorizing it, then you could have murmured it to yourself all day long. That's the word, murmurs the word of God. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. Now, I want to take you back to when this was written, because the geography of ancient Israel is not too dissimilar from the geography of Texas in July. There, is, there, are, there are lots of different areas of Israel, but most of them are very, very hot much of the year. And so what do you do when you are walking through the heat of summer and you see a tree in the distance, right? You navigate toward the tree because shade is life. And shade was life back then also. In fact, I, when I went on a, a, a tour of Israel, um, it was very hot when we were there. I don't actually remember what time of year it was, but it was, it was very hot. And that was when I first noticed like, how much groups sh seek shade. Like we would get out of the tour bus, we're supposed to be meeting somewhere, and the whole group would just like, be this shade-seeking missile, right? Just like wander over to this tiny little tree and all huddle under this tree trying to get some shade as we were waiting for the next step of the tour. And it's because shade, when it's hot outside, shade is protection. Shade is life. And so the tree becomes the symbol of what can protect you from the burning sun, from the elements, from everything that can happen, that does happen in the course of a life. Okay, so that person is like a tree planted by streams of water. I wanted to draw out for you two of the things that it says. So planted by streams of water, the image there is that meditating on the law Meditating on scripture, meditating on the word of God, prayer, Bible study, all of that kind of stuff. That is like digging your roots in and finding water. Now, as you know, trees will go as far as they need to with their roots to try to find water. In fact, this is why we often get into trouble with sewer lines, right? Because trees are looking for water especially if it's dry, and, and in this climate, it was often dry. But if a tree is planted by a river, it's always there. It's always there. And so the image of this is saying, if you want to be righteous, 
if you want to be happy, if you want to be blessed, stop doing all of these other things and start digging your roots where God has told you the water is. Because you're not going to have to look very far. You're not going to have to seek very far. It's going to be right there. You just need to start reaching in the right direction and doing the right thing. And what we see here is a little bit of a a criticism about all those first three categories. They're They're all looking for something, right? They're all wanting to do something, but they're doing it the wrong way. Because they're, they're doing things, they're criticizing, they're, they're, they're doing all of these things, and it's, none of it is, is, is providing what they want. None of it is providing the life, none of it is providing the grace, none of it is doing any of that. And so the, what the psalmist is saying is if you want life, you first have to dig your roots down. And stop searching other places because God has told you that as soon as you dig your roots here, you're going to find the grace that you're looking for. And you're going to find the life that you're looking for. And you know what happens when trees find water with their roots? They grow really tall, right? So the tree finds water and it is able then to grow into a tree that is, that is able to give shade. And the psalmist tells us two things. The psalmist says the tree produces fruit and the tree's leaves do not wither. The tree produces fruit and the tree's leaves do not wither. So let's look at the first one of those. The tree produces fruit. Now this is why you and I like trees because this is the only part that we really get benefit from other than the shade. So we, we plant a tree because we expect it to give us an apple or an orange or something. But from the tree's perspective, the tree produces fruit. That's its, um, that's its seed. That's its offspring. So every, um, if, it, if it's an oak, it produces acorn. If it's an apple tree, it produces apples. And ideally, some of those will fall into the ground and will grow into baby trees, and that's how we get new trees. So that's why trees produce fruit. But the nature of trees is that they produce way more than they need. And because they produce way more than they need, they actually form a vital part of the ecosystem and are able to feed everything around them. So an oak tree, an old oak tree, can produce 10,000 acorns in a single growing season which is incredibly annoying to the people who are living underneath them who don't need all those acorns. But if you are in the woods and you're a creature who eats acorns, that's your food source. That's your food source. And obviously, 10,000 trees aren't going to grow. So what, are those, what is that fruit for? The fruit is to feed other creatures, right? That is what the fruit is produced for. It is produced in order to feed other creatures. And so a tree that digs down deep into the word of God becomes a tree that is capable of feeding others, that is capable of giving to the world, that is capable of blessing people beyond itself. And it is able to, yes, some of those trees get planted and grow up into other trees, but because its its roots are nourished by the water, there is an overabundance, and there is no reason that it can't feed more and more and more because there's an overabundance of fruit. That's the nature of the way trees produce fruit. If they only produced a few acorns a year and all of those had to grow into trees, it would never work. And so they produce this overabundance of fruit. But the second thing, the leaves... The tree that has its roots in water, the leaves do not wither. 
Now, you remember your eighth grade biology class? What do the leaves do? The leaves are what photosynthesize, right? So the leaves are what collect the sunlight, collect the energy, which allows the tree to grow. The leaves also provide the shade, which is very nice. But the number of leaves a tree has is what allows it to grow, which is saying, it's fascinating to me that these are in this order, because what, it, what the leaves are ultimately saying is the more leaves a tree has, the more it's able to take care of itself, the more it's able to grow bigger. If a, le if a tree has a lot of leaves, it's able to grow taller the next year. It's able to grow wider. It's able to grow a new branch. It's, if the tree loses all of its leaves, then it might stay alive, but it's not going to grow. It's a, if a tree loses its leaves, it's as though someone put tape over your mouth for six months. You would lose a lot of weight, right? The leaves of the tree not withering means that not only are, is this person going to be able to give, this person is going to be able to thrive to take care of themselves, to be, a per to be this person who provides shade, who provides fruit, and who actually is able to get bigger and stronger every year because their nourish, their roots are in the right place. Now, I just want to pause there for a second because now you begin to see why this is relating to stewardship, right? For those of you who don't know, stewardship is a spiritual discipline of how we handle the things that God has entrusted to us. And there's a whole lot of different things that we talk about. God has entrusted to you 24 hours in a day to steward well. God has entrusted to you all the material resources you have to steward well. God has entrusted to you your talents, the particular gifts that he's given you to steward well. God has entrusted to you everything, and stewarding it well means using it for the kingdom. And so we talk about setting aside a part of your time for the kingdom. We talk about using your talents for the kingdom. We talk about setting aside part of your money specifically for the kingdom. And we're going to talk intentionally about that later on in the series, what the discipline called tithing actually looks like and actually means. But the reason we're starting here is so that we can remember that everything we talk about is a spiritual discipline, not a fundraising right? So this is the difference. Like, you're not going to hear us talk about budgets and total numbers and things like that. And all of those are great conversations to have that we can have after church. But what you hear us talk about on Sunday morning is giving generosity as a spiritual discipline because if our roots are in the right place, digging down into the Word of God, receiving the grace from the Word of God, then what happens from that is that we become people who are capable of feeding the world. We become people who are capable of taking care of things. We become people who are the ones who give shade, the ones who give shelter, the ones who offer the grace of God, who offer this, this, um, the, the bounty that God offers, and it is a natural thing that comes out of our meditating on the Word of God, not something apart from it. And so what we're going to talk in this series about what it means to naturally grow into people for whom generosity is one of our fruit. Naturally grow into people for whom um, uh, abundance is one of our fruit. And the reason it, be, it is so important is that the very end of this psalm, we go back to contrast with the way of the wicked, the very end of the song, 
He says, not, so the, the, the blessed are the ones who have their, their um, roots in the river of God, who are producing over and above what they need in order to feed, in order to give shade, in order to grow great, stronger and taller. And the wicked, this is what it says, they're like chaff. The sand, the wind blows them away. They will not stand in the judgment. The sinners in the assembly of the righteous For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Now that last line, that is actually not a good translation of that Hebrew word. The way of the wicked doesn't, it's not that it leads to destruction. Um, The word is actually lost. So my Hebrew, uh, my Hebrew teacher, my Old Testament teacher explained, said that it's the same word that if you put something down on your desk and you can't find it anymore, it's lost, it's gone. And the image is that Focusing on something other than the Word of God. So go back to those first three things that were put out in the psalm. Focusing on those things, it doesn't make you a bad tree. It makes you not a tree, right? Your roots, because your roots aren't deep, you just blow away. You're just gone. You're just not there anymore. Um, The danger of the not-blessed life that comes to us from this psalm is not that we're, we're... damned or doomed. I mean, that comes up much later in the Psalms, and so it's definitely there. But the danger that's presented here is that we will be so temporary, we will be blown away, and nothing in our lives will ultimately matter. All the things we tried to do won't matter. All the good or bad we tried to do, all the running, walking, standing, all of that just, just won't matter. It'll be forgotten in a season. Because the only thing that will remain is the fruit that has come from those who have actually stood in the path of God. Who've actually stood by the streams of the presence of God, dug their roots in deep, and become the people they want to become. And so I'll tell you what, our vision for Westminster is that those 70-year-old oaks on the lawn just become a symbol of what is growing in here. Because you know what happens when one tree grows? You get a bunch of acorn. You know what happens when a forest grows? You feed the world. (laughs) You can feed the community. When a forest grows, it's not just one person trying to provide shade, trying to provide fruit. It's not just one little tree hanging out by itself. It is a covering. It is a place where the world can't touch what's inside because the the leaves are too thick overhead, the fruit is too bountiful, the one who wants to kill and destroy can't get in because there is just too much being produced here and he can't touch the trees because as much as he tries to send drought and destruction, he can't get to their roots and their roots are in the water and the water never dries up. Our vision for Westminster is that the the oaks on the lawn become a symbol of what's growing in here. People who are so deeply rooted in the presence of God and the character of God that it transforms them into people who bear fruit and bear fruit for the world. Would you join with me in a word of prayer? Almighty God, out of all that you have given us, We are so grateful. You have called us into your presence. You've invited us into your story. 
You have called us out of our old lives and into a new life. And so God, forgive us for the times that we have tried to root ourselves in something else. Forgive us for the times that we have tried to make our own path instead of standing firm by your streams. And so now open our hearts and open our minds that we might grow deeper and more fully into you and become the people you want us to become. This we pray as we say together the prayer our Lord taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.